You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's the 19th of other, on a Wednesday afternoon, this must be a special edition of Aris called Daraisa. And um, because of a lot of incredibly strong and sharp comments uh, that our last program did, that we did last Monday, Shabbos, uh, I've decided to bring in and uh, someone that I have grown very, very fond of, someone who uh, is, is a person I, I really value as a, uh, someone who really understands uh, sophisticated topics, who is able to explain them well, and specifically this topic that became a little bit of a, uh, a firestorm, which was how we presented uh, the opinion and the attitude and the honesty of Rav Menachem Meiri uh, in his statements throughout Shas about the umos hagedurais b'darkei and that have real dosis, the Meiri's uh, opinion towards the non-Jewish world and Christians in particular. I've asked Rabbi Aryeh Clapper, the dean of the uh, Institute for Modern Torah Leadership. Did I get that right? Center for Modern Torah Leadership. The center. <laughs> I, should, I should know because, of course, my, uh, my family is very, very supportive of it. My daughter was, uh, a, 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 was able to join them as a scholar this last summer, and that is where I began my, our relationship uh, in earnest. So, uh, and, of course, Rabbi Clapper um, uh, graciously sends me his eye-opening and wonderful chidushim in the world of Chumash and, I believe, so much, in a sense, groundbreaking places in the world of Pesach Halacha as well. Um, and we feature them regularly on the Yeshiva of New York podcast site. So thank you, Rabbi Clapper, for... Thank you, Rabbi Clapper. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, to, jo- <laughs> to join us. And I know, look, you're no stranger to, to darshaning on Zoom and, and to giving... In uh, uh, fact, you have already spoken about this topic often. You've written about it, most famously, I guess it was an article in 2009, right? I believe it was, and um, and it's been a su- it's been a subject that that lives with you. So let's just uh, review slightly. Um, in the exchange that Rabbi Bechaper and I had, which was as always uh, very much peppered with a lot of satire and lack of seriousness, uh, I happen to have mentioned, uh, well, actually I responded to Rebbe because Rebbe Hapa was somehow placing the Meiri at the center of his, of his uh, idea that uh, the Muslim world, uh, and specifically the Muslim neighbors of Israel, of uh, Medina's Israel, uh, should be granted the Shriot, or the Shriot of Geri Toshav, uh, and especially in light of what the Miri has written uh, in terms of uh, Christian, Christians, that we should definitely treat them and be machaya them and do whatever we can. And therefore, we have to give them the vaccine. And I know you've already written to me that you don't really want to discuss that halakhic aspect about giving the vaccine. And I, I respect that. And that's not really why I want you here. I really want you here because I responded to the Red Bell Conference and said, look, I'm very happy if people use that Miri, but it seems to me, considering what we know of the history of Christianity, even in Provence and, and places which perhaps did not suffer as much, that the Miri perhaps was um, presenting something which was not in line with actual reality. Um, and, um, and, and like I said, I'm, I, I'm happy, I'm just repeating myself, I'm happy that, that the Miri has entered into the world of Psaac and people are uh, using it and constantly quoting it. But uh, I was wondering, in, just in terms of uh, the historical accuracy of, of his statements. Anyway, why don't you uh, start talking now about your take on this in general? Okay, so let's thank you again for the, uh, the opportunity. Um, let's, I think there, 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 there's a whole bunch of separable issues here that we need to, uh, we need to talk about. Like one question is, what did the Miri mean? Uh, right. The second question is, whatever, whatever the, the words the Miri meant, what did he really believe, right? If, if, if those are the same things. Then there's, is he right about Chazal? Um, then there's, is he 
right in his factual assertions, whether or not he's right about Chazal, then there is, to what extent are, right, to what extent does his halachic authority, whether generally or these positions depend on and all those other questions. And then I think a really big question is whether you really need the Me'iri to reach these conclusions. Is it a good halachic moral rhetorical strategy to say that the only way in which you can reach these conclusions is by the Me'iri? Um, right, so I think those are, that's a whole array of issues. Uh, we talked about privately, you know, that, I, that, you know, that when you, if you go through the scout list, there's the yeshivish legends and then there, there's a history of scholarship, which are not quite the same thing. So I, when I was in high school in Breuer's, so I was taught, I think, probably what you were taught in yeshiva, which is that there's only one manuscript of the Miri. It's kept in the Vatican. <laughs> somebody, somebody with a photographic memory right, uh, in the early 20th century was allowed in the Vatican library one day a year. And he was not allowed to copy anything, but he would, he would, he had a photographic memory, so he would memorize the Miri. And that's how we got the Miri. But I mean, it's the only manuscript is in the Vatican. So you have to be very careful. They're Christians, right? Because it might have been, it really might have been Christians who wrote stuff into the, right, wrote stuff into the margins and say, right? So the fact that Miri has all these statements about, uh, about, uh, you know, kind statements about, um, about contemporary Christians, uh, maybe we can dismiss them because maybe they were just put in by the censors because only the Miri says them. And right, so yeah, I, I thought of that in high school, and so it was a really interesting um, to be. You know, yeah, I guess you know, I guess you know, should have, everyone should know, right? That some of them are, some of them, of course, are in the shoes of the Kubetzit. so they're not, right? So they're not, you know, quoted by the Ramah, right? They're not likely, they're not likely to be the, you know, the be introduced in the 20th century by Capius. Um, but more, I think, you know, when I I, I went to the Hollis catalog at Harvard. And discovered that Miriam various Misephthis is published already in the 18th century. Right. Yep. And the Chida has a whole list of manuscripts. So, I, you know, so that Yeshivish legend, I think, is important to put on the table, and then to just dismiss it as, you know, it's as it's not, it's not factual. And there are all other issues, right? There's the legends about the Chazunish, which there's the dispute between uh, Reb Moshe Bleich, right, and uh, and I forget who wrote the the responses about right what exactly the what exactly the Chazunish said about it. I can just say, you know, I think I think it's important to say that. The Miri is part of the Masoret, right? Their claims about the Rav, right? But the Miri, I think, right? You can correct this. The Miri is as much a part of the Masoret or more as the Ritva. Yeah, I would, I, I'm gonna, I, I would push back on that. And I think that, uh, and, and Chaim Salvechik has basically already uh, lectured about it and written about it. I don't know if he's written about it, but I heard Chaim Salvechik, uh, Professor Chaim Salvechik, speak about it. And I think that to the point that you're correct, it wasn't just, oh, some. Avram Sofer or Kalman Schlesinger, who was able to find it, right, uh, to find it. Yes, they were, a lot of them were circulating, not just in Shita Mikubetsis, they were published, but as, as Chaim Salvation points out, he wasn't essential in terms of learning. There was a greater uh, understanding of how to do what we were talking about before we started recording, each typical base medrash yeshiva learning of learning up Rishonim, learning the sugya. And the Miri doesn't fit in carefully there, right? The Miri is especially the base of Khira. Again, I, I've had a discussion with you, if you remember, a number of uh, one, one evening, I was remember talking to you about the difference between the Chidusha and the Miri and the base of Khira. And I felt he almost has two different personalities, right? In the, in, in the Chidusha Miri, he's much more um, conventional. But that conventional style, the, which is the Chidusha Ritva, was much more in line with the standard derech of learning, where you basically... Uh, deal with the text, and then, uh, sort of in a margin-like way, you intersperse the Rishonim as you're going through the text, uh, you know, adding layers to your limud of Rashi and Tosis. Uh, and then you just add this, which the Miri, of course, doesn't lend itself to that, because the Miri forced readers to sort of, like, step back and get a more holistic and maybe even a more uh, narrow view of what was going on. So the Miri was not popular. Uh, in terms of the great Tamida Chachamim developing uh, their their understanding of the sugya, um, so, fact, so I, I think go ahead. I think there are a couple of things. That, you know, I think yeah, the Masoret doesn't start in the late nineteenth century, uh, right? And it, it existed in places outside you know, outside you know, outside the, the yeshiva that are, that find roots in America in the early twentieth. Uh, so that, that's like the first, you know, I should say, first of all, right, that Dr. Soloveitchik you know, is uh, in some ways by Rabbi Mufok. Um, and so, you know, so I'm not going to be holy, God, with Kalva Homer in a matter of history. Right. Uh, you know, we learned Gemara from him. 
But one of the things that influenced me is in his Hespid for the Rav. He talks about how the Rav didn't get a Rosh Ben Ritva until he was something like, you know, his 20s or 30s. And therefore he asserted that if you look at the Rav Shurim, the Rosh Ben and the, and the Ritva play exactly the kind of role you were talking about, right? You know, the, the Rishon that he knows cold that matter that all the Shurim are built on are the Rambam and the Ramban and Rashi and Tosfos. And then at some point in his life, he acquires a full Kiddushi Rosh Ben Ritva. And so he starts throwing them in as, uh, right, as, you, as you know, Kiddushi Vaud. Uh, so, I, and I think I, I don't. I don't think that the Miri is the Rambam, but if you, when you people use the rhetoric of the Miri isn't vetted by the Masorit in the same way, the Miri is vetted by the Masorit the same way as Ritva is. Most of his stuff was lost. Yeah, a lot of it's shown up. A lot of it has been reclaimed in the you know, in the past in the past um, sixty years uh, because of a revolution in publishing and because you know in, in modern Orthodox circles because of Gush, uh, writer of Lichtenstein's Derek of throwing all you know throwing all Rishonim in. I don't see a basis for making a short distinction between the authority of the Miri and the authority of other Rishonim, other Chidushim, in their, in their Chidushim, uh, on the basis of their treatment. I think you find, you, know, you find Poskim who know the Miri cold, you find Poskim who don't know the Miri, and, you know, and that, but the ones who, but I don't find any trace prior to the mid 20th century of somebody suggesting that the Miri it's not a Rishon, like all the other Rishonim. You know, I think Rav Bethlehem said too, like, you know, is the Miri less than the Shittal of Nodal Labi? We don't know what the Shittal of is, right? So, right. Although there has been some decent work uh, proving that he's one of the Tamiri Arash, but, but, but again, look in the Beis look, the Beis Yosef, who does quote the Ritva in a couple of places, because the Ritva's parish on uh, Bechiris was well known. And there are other places that the, the, the Beis Yosef had uh, some access to the Ritva. I, again, you have to tell me if you think maybe one place does the Beis of quote the Miri more than one place. I don't even know if it's one, maybe one or two. I don't have this farm in front of me, as you know from listening to Risley shows. I don't, I don't uh, go off. Right, so let's get, let's, let's give a better example, right? I'm not a you know, better example, I think, even than the Ritz, which I just right? better example, and I think more appropriate. And again, I'm not a historian, so I'm right, I'm going to be an amateur here, is the Rivet, right? The Hushia Rivet, right? So Dr. Soloveitchik again, you know, shows so, that. That it was displaced. Right? That the Rabbit right, the Rabbit the Rabbit was you know was the Balkhid the Rabbit Eerie describes him. Gadoli right, Amaforshim. right? And, you know, we have this historical accident that at some point somebody prints the Hasagos on the Rambam and right they become, that everybody catches on and so people characterize the the Rabbit based on right, as you know as, as the Masig and don't understand and that, that happens, right? You know, this is uh, you know, that the I think the, my favorite line all of Jewish scholarship, right? The, I think if I remember it still correctly, all my students have to memorize it for years, right? The multiple Panzer thrusts from Benetton's intellect shattered the old simplistic interpretations, or the quiet but relentless general should revising of the empire, the field of the right. He talks about right, it's in a sense in the article in Sefer Chassidim. It's incredible about how the Baliatosis just destroy everything that went before, uh, right? And basically, what they destroy is the Masorah of Provence. And and I, and I think Rabbi Salvation, Dr. Salvation says. That the Rivids, um, what the Rivid did was co-opted, as he said, by the Ramban, right? He says the Ramban, in many ways, started with many of the points in the, in the Rashba of what the Rivid had made, and then they were subsumed, and the Rivid gets lost, despite his, his great influence. Right, but if we find the Kedusha Rivid now, right, we don't say, oh, oh, it's right, right the Kedusha Rivid was invented by the Masori, even though we had much less access to the Kedusha Rivid I, I don't know. Miri. And they're part of the same Masoret. One second, but the Rivet is quoted consistently by the Ramban and by the Rashba and by what we have in his uh, his Hasogas on the Balamor and as the king, right? Even without the Meiri's uh, appellation of him as that, in that role, whether it's the Hasogas to, to uh, you know, the, the Tamim Deim or other places. So the Rivet is a known commodity as a big player. You know, in many ways, you know, his father-in-law was the God of Ador, was the big Rosh Hashiva, the, the, the Eshkol. So what we're talking about is someone who we know loomed large, as Rabbi Dr. Salvechik says. <laughs> he viewed his Hasogas of the Rambam like, you know, some book reviews that he had to do in his spare time because he was the God but, but the Meiri, and again, I, 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 I was planning, I had at my bed table last night um, the uh, Abba, Truvis Abamari, where in the back of that, you know, the Miri has a number of uh, passionate um, uh, defenses of the Rambam and how we should learn philosophy. 
and you know what I'm talking about, where he says that we have we can't appear stupid, right? We can't. We, we, the Jews are going to they're, they're going to consider us ridiculous, the Christians and others. If we really don't know philosophy, and it's actually a benefit. So, and the, I mentioned that in my conversation with Bethlehem, that that's where the truths of the Meiri show up. And then you also have the beautiful Hesped that Abba Murray writes, and he does refer to him in very um, wonderful terms, but in no way, shape, or form is that uh, enough to say that he represents one of the G'dayli on the Seira. I don't know. I'm going to push So, forward. yeah, I think... Bethlehem, I think, teased you about, you know, your uh, propensity to, like, to, like, to like ranking... Um... <laughs> yeah, rank, rank, ranking post game and Gedolim. I think you do too. I think you do too, right? Don't you? Well, I don't know. But, you know, I think mostly, you know, I respond when you ask me. I'm still getting over like the time you asked me. Like, you know, is this out? You know, that person, right? You know, like, uh, never, not only been asked the question that way before. Like, is someone so, <laughs> is someone so like a, a first rank posting? Are we only bring him off the bench, or is he a minor league? He a minor leaguer? Yeah, may what a, I would say is like, a culpa. I I have a propensity to to ask my friends and people that I like about what I feel very passionate about. And I know you do too, but okay. But you know what? I'll give you this. The Meiri, you know, uh, Rav Hankin calls him one of the G'dayli Auma. Some Sofer says he's a pet Kadosh. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. Right. And I guess just my myth are Aaron Soloveitchik. Aaron Soloveitchik just asking flat out like the Meiri. Yeah, right. You know, and right. So I don't, I don't have, I think that's, I think it's factually false to claim that he is, Less part of the Masorah than many of the other Rishonim we accept. Now, some of the Rishonim we accept are not major figures. Right? Some of the Rishonim we accept are, you know, what you know, Dr. Salichik calls like the people mopping up, right? <laughs> you know, after after the first two generations, right? You know, okay, oh, I'm not. I don't. I don't need the Miri to be Rabbi Tom. Right? I just need it to be a Bar Hachi and to be part of the Masorah and to be a Rishon. Right? That I think. I, I think that's basically straightforward. Um, right, and then okay, see so one of the great Rishonim, not one of the great Rishonim. So that I also think things come in, things come in fashion and go out of fashion. You know, yeah, I, I guess so. Look, I, I'm just going to throw one last thing in because I want you to get yeah. to your expertise, Eric. Because you're not going to convince me, and I'm probably not going to convince you on this, Rabbi Flapper. But the, no, what, where do you see, like you mentioned, Rabbi Tom? Rabbi Tom's footprints are everywhere because everybody's quoting him and requoting him and reestablishing. Right, Rashi is upgraded. But even someone like Rabbeinu Tam or the Ramban, or right, whereas the Meiri, again, his, the whole safer, especially based on Chira, is about being anonymous and putting forth what he thinks is a coalition of various opinions. I don't see people ever quoting any other Rishon post the Meiri saying, or Isi Bekisvei Rabbeinachem that he wrote this, and I have to be Masig, or I want to agree. That doesn't. Agree. The way you see, like far be it from me. You're right. I'm just a, a petty anti guy who wants to rank people but i do know when i see others ranking people and i see that 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 when other people quote a certain opinion and they're quoting him and they're arguing with him or they're taking part of him or not part of him that's an indicator of how big a footprint and how big of an influence they have and i don't think that can be made in the case of the miri but go ahead okay i I mean i think uh, here's the way i would frame it the way you're miri to our knowledge we don't have any talmudian direct talmudian of the miri I have I have a pet theory which I you know, always offer people as a free master is that what's published is a Talmud Harashba above Metzia may actually be a Talmud Demiri because it uses the same nicknames. Um, I don't I don't think the point about anonymity is much because he tells right it's not really anonymous he tells you is it's a it's a code right he tells you in the in the opening exactly who who the golem before Shemar the right that's right that's what Dr. Shalichik builds the you know builds it's a big part of his theory uh, about the Raven is that the way the Demiri refers to him. The Talmud Rashbam of Metziah, I believe, does the same thing. But I think you, you lose things, right? There's no question in the way, let's say, that, uh, you know, that uh, Rav Chaim Soloveitchik, there is, right, that, you know, the, the uh, Rabbi Chaim Alevi, right, he had enormous numbers of Talmudim, and so he became, right, you know, and the Miri, because Ravon's culture didn't make it, right, the Miri didn't have that kind of, um, that kind of immediate impact. He doesn't have people wrestling with him, and he doesn't get copied the same way. Um, but when people know that he has a shita, you know, I, I, I don't know of anybody uh, saying, oh, that's just the Miri. I think, you see, you know, I went, I looked at the Aruch HaShulchan and the Mishnah Burr and the Bir HaLacha, right, you know, I, I ran the Bari Lan search to see how often they just put on Miri, and it's quite a bit. Okay, let's bracket one. Right. Okay, let's take question two, right, is, you know, let's say the issue that you addressed uh, directly is uh, is how, 
right? You know, which I just I did get rid of. The, you know, I think the yeshivish story that doesn't mean that it's not just because it's not put in by a copyist, you know, by one copyist in the Vatican because that's not where the manuscripts are. Doesn't mean that it's not put in by a copyist, right? Doesn't mean it's not put under pressure. Uh, so it's interesting there because you quoted, uh, you showed me right, a Weiss article in which he says he thinks some of them were put in by the. No, no, no. That's not what he says. He says the Meiri himself had his eye to the censor or to lessen anti-Semitism or to perhaps change people's opinions, but it was not a reflection of his honest, as I said on the on the broadcast. If the Meiri could get into a room with both of us together and would we learn the sugya. That's not what he, that's what I suggested he wouldn't say. But not that the Meiri, some copyist, got his hands on the Meiri and wrote that in. I, I never meant to imply that. So, neither does Rabbi Blech. Neither did Rabbi Blech. So, when I spoke to Rabbi Blech about this many years ago, which was before the article was published, uh, you know, I would say I probably talked to Rabbi Blech about this in the 90s. Um, so, what he said to me was that he had really wanted to believe it was because of the censor. Um, and that there were just too many places. The Meiri said things like this where nobody else had ever said them. And where, because of that, no Christian censor would ever look. Like everyone knew, knows where you're supposed to look for the, right, for the, for, for the you know, obviously the Sugim Babakama is the, uh, Sugim Babakama is the, um, is, you know, right, which is the one that makes it the right, right. and it carries on, right? Everybody knows that that's, you know, if you're, if you're a, in a, a Jewish apostate, Right, that's what you're looking for. And I point out, by the way, which I think Rabbi Yonasar says the same thing as Miri there. Right. Um, but he says it explicitly. That's what you say, Lishuva Saminim. Right. Right. And Jacob Katz makes that point. Right. Um, but the Miri doesn't. Miri doesn't say it. He says it. I think it's like a, he says something like this, something like 190 times. And right, of those, maybe 10 of them are places. Or anybody else ever felt the need to say something? One second. Wouldn't an apostate know to look at the Sechtes Abedazar? I mean, that is like the, uh, you're right, Babakama Lamitres, Babakama Kutya Gimel, wherever. Yeah, that, again, let's just tell our listeners the censors means Jewish people who were born Jews, who were part of the Talmudic uh, world, who who converted, Gishmatzak, as we say in Yiddish. Christianity, and now became sort of like the, uh, the 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 police censoring, knowing the places where to look, and therefore bothering um, uh, Jewish rabbonim and writers. So, wouldn't they have known Masechtas Avodah Zarah, which is full of you know anti statements about uh, letting them die and not dealing with them, etc. Et right, but there are statements like this in Psachim and Yevamos and and Yoma and Gitten and Brachos and Beitza. I'm just looking at my list here, um, and Makos and Hulin. Uh, you're right, you know, and and I, you know, I think that, that there's there's no hint, you know, there's no hint that anybody anybody ever censored any of those places. Uh, nobody ever bothered by these places. It's systematic, uh, right? But, it's in all, just, but in all the, but in all those places, as we know from uh, Rav Chaim Voloshner, his famous Chuv in the Chuna Mishulish. The, the Nusach Hashas is all Mishulish. It's Mishulish all over. There was a self-censorship that took place by the printers of the Shas and many times by the copyists to specifically, you know, whether they were writing Akum or, uh, you know, Avodah yeah, it, 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 All those places are, all the places you mentioned, including the sporadic ones themselves, any place where, <laughs> it's almost like, look, everybody's going to know where Dr. Seuss uh, was uh, yeah, the racist parts of Dr. Seuss in a couple of years. Everybody's going to know that. People knew where to look in Shas as well. So uh, again, you know, you can take a look and see whether any of those those, those places, aside from you know, changing the word to Akum, I, I don't, I don't believe that that in in the in the majority of the places of the Miriam Magia that there was ever serious censorship. But, you know, there was systematic just replacement of any you know, of any generic word for non-Jew with the word Akum or daily or things like that. But um, the kind of the kind of place, you know, but, but the, that Miri could, Miri could have done that easily as well, right? The kind of halachic things that Miri puts in, I, I just don't, I don't believe it, right? You know, it's in a, you know, you, you want to claim it's a proactive apologia, you know, he's just a systematic, he's just a systematic, comprehensive thinker. And so when he sets out to be apologetic, by gosh, he's going to be apologetic, even if nobody wants him to apologize. Um, you know, I, I don't believe it. I, I think that there's just too many of them. And I want to point out one other thing, right? This, this, this is a chiddush of mine, um, right? Which, um, Although I should say that Rabbi Dovlin's or you know Baruch Shikivanti, right? We came up to this independently, uh, but I'll say it more radically than he did. Um, actually, 
Leary is extremely careful about what he says when. And so there are, right, there are places, there are two places where he, where he, Dafka doesn't tell you, he tells you it doesn't apply to them, but he doesn't tell you it does apply to the other group, right? Most of the places he tells you it doesn't apply to them, it does apply to them, it does apply to them. But there are two places where he doesn't, I, one of them is, is, is non-Jews on Shabbos, saving non-Jews on Shabbos. And those are the only two places in which you cannot find the same position in other Rishonim. What about, one second, what you're mentioning now, I think is Yuma Peidalit, which, yeah. which Dr. Bleich, Rabbi Bleich mentions. And, and um, I think the other spot. Uh, he says that uh, twin converts in, in utero with a, with a father who's got a betrachi hadat are in fact, um, right? So the child of a gerit, the child of, of a father who's got a betrachi hadat are related to each other. Twins are related to each other for the purposes of Yibo. Right? Nobody ever cared about that. Right? He throws that in, but that's one of the two places where he says, right, where it's, his language is very cautious. So my take generally, here's what I would say, my take generally is um, in contra- in that there are two radical things that people attribute to Miri that Professor Halbertal most specifically did, but it's an old one, right? One is the, the claim that Miri says something radical about Christianity, and the other is that the claim that Miri says something radical about people. Uh, right, so I deny that Mary says anything radical about Christianity. Uh, I think Mary's, the Mary's position on Christianity is exactly the same as the Balayatos foot, uh, which I think also is not the issue of Itzavodah for us, but not for them. But it's a position that um, Trinitarianism per se is not a Vodazara. Uh Right, bowing down to idols is, and believing in transubstantiation very likely is, but um, but believing in a divided Godhead per se is a violation of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. For Jews, but it's not a Vodazara for either Jews or non-Jews because they're right, the old, right, obvious, right? But you think there can't be a position that's a Vodazara for Jews and not for non-Jews because of because of Mika. Mika right? Right. So, right, I think that Miri does take the position generally uh, that. Well, let me just stop you there for a yeah. second. Many people have pointed out, and Jacob Katz famously, and again, as I, I obviously misstated that Jacob Katz is the one who says Miri is an apologist, but. Jacob Katz, I think, correctly, is the one who reopens the academic kettle of fish about re-examination of the Miri. His beautifully penned, articulate uh, chapter in, uh, which I'm holding in my hands right now, um, uh, I forgot the English translation, what it's called, but is, is, was obviously a starting point for many, Fry Morbach and, and, and Blitzstein and Rabbi Blythe and Berger, and maybe even yourself. He's sort of like, uh, you know, he brought this into the academic world, and he does say that the sheet of the, the third thing, which you haven't mentioned, and I uh, discovered it here again, is that he says in Avedazar and Haroyos, he says that even though normally we say a min, he, you know, throw him in the pit and don't let him out and let him die, he says that's someone who, uh, who is a Ben Yisrael who has no dust. And remember, Rabbi Clapper, the Miri has, it, it, again, I can't think of, anybody can think that this is true, and Katz himself knows it's not true, that there was no dust until the Chazal's time, the Christ, those, those Goyim, whoever they were, had no dust, Dalit Tuf. It was all wild, and there was no Seder HaMishpah, and it was all, everybody was just eating each other like cannibals. We know that from 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 our from our uh, archaeology, from we know about what we've discovered. There were plenty of dosis from Hammurabi on down. There's plenty of dosis in the time where Chazal were. But the Miri says no. They were talking about the goyim who had no dust at all. But someone who is and therefore he's nowhere. The Miri says he's in limbo because he was a Jew, but now he's in this vague goy world, which is no dust which we know is not true, and you have to admit it's not true, but but once he's left the limbo, and he's now in a new state, and he's a Ben Dos, because now we have in the Middle Ages, we now have new Dosais, which share with Judaism a sense of Seder and Mishpat of humanity. So he's basically become one of them. <laughs> Except, the Miri writes, parenthetically, the very next slide, <laughs> so in other words, basically, there's still, a, in other words, you still have to get a get from the guy. It's not like he disappeared and became right. a different human being, right? And everything else. And that, of course, means that you would treat, uh, you would not treat a Mishumid 
in the time of of of, of the Christian person becomes a, a mishumid, you wouldn't treat him like a, a, an ultimate pariah that, that had violated his life, right? I mean, right. So let's let's let's, let's talk about like there's a bunch of the whole bunch of issues to talk about here. I think um, I think that so I've tried right. I think Miri's part of this, or I think the Miri means what he says, right? I think right. I think I think that his halachic statements are serious everywhere. Um, and part of the reason I believe that I don't think he says anything radical. Uh, I think that he that he says the same thing about Christianity that Tosfos does. I think Tosfos never Tosfos just says that 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 you that they're not musarim anshutu, right? And no. And, and, no, that, 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 that's wrong. You know that. But all the Tosas mean about Enem Mazar Roshitov, I mean, it's Machok is acronym, right? I'm taking sides. Uh, right? That Mazar Roshitov means that they're not even the specific Chiyav of being a Shatish Shemeshvayim Davrachir Bishvua. That's not the important line in Tosas. The important line in Tosas is that he says that even if they mention the name, right, even if they mention the, 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 name, of God, the name of God, Right, even and according to one version, even if they if, if they say J E S U S, right, I don't know what you can say on the on the radio here, um, right. right? That that the Kavanastam Laborish Mayim Baritz, and therefore it's not and therefore it's not a violation of Shemelim Achirim Lutaskiru. That's much more radical. Tosas holds right. That's where Tosas makes it clear that he thinks the theology is not a Vodazara, because if if it were the theology of Vodazara, that would be Shemelim Achirim Lutaskiru, right? People misunderstand which line of, which line of Tosas is important. The Shitov line is a mistake. Albeit a mistake made by many great acronyms, you can have the same discussion you have. Like, what if you think the Miri's not shot in Chazal, right? So, what if you think the Ramos not shot in the right, okay. not, not shot in Tosfos? But, um, but what Tosfos really says is really important. The Miri just, ex- and the way you can prove this is that when the Miri talks about that, it talks about that sugya, right, which we think is the central sugya, he just quotes Tosfos word for word. What about, the place, what about the places the Miri says that you don't need the Dechukim of Tosfos? Remember, like dealing, for yeah. example, in, in, in Ribis and other places where Tosis has to come up with that it's considered like we're anyway nitma benagoyim or giving matonas to, to good. So, right. so, that, so, now, so, so, so the, get so the Meiri says over there, but you don't need all the dechukim that Tosis writes. He mentions the word Tosis by name. Excellent. Excellent. So here's what I want to say. Uh, or not, right? What I want to say is the Meiri and Tosis agree is that the theology of Christianity is not a Buddhist era. But the practice of it, in certain cases, is. All right. So now you have a situation. You have people who are technically Obdevodazara, even though theologically, they're not. Right. What they are, if you want to be really radical and dangerous, is they're, they're the Ramdans of the Ego. Okay. All right. Um, in a certain sense, right? They worship an idol, but they don't believe in the right. But they don't believe in multiple gods. Um, the Meiri's big finish, and Eric, yeah, this is my. Josh Harrison was a student of mine in, in the Sarabit Midrash many years ago. And, and when we were studying this, and this is the formulation he came up with, as I quoted Bishmo, hope he is okay with it, he's down my neighbor down the street now. He said, is what the Miri's Kiddush is, that there's an Avodazara Sha'ino Shel Toeva. And whereas the Miri, the Miri and Tosis agree that, right, agree about certain halachas, the Miri's Kiddush is that he systematizes it. He systematizes it in a way that Tosis wouldn't, because Tosis at the end of the day says, Look, but they're still all the Avodah and we have all these halachas applied to the Zara. The Mary's great finish is no, not all these halachas apply to all of the Avodah because a lot of these halachas apply only to the Avodah Zara Shel Tueva, and these are not of the Avodah Zara Shel Tueva. And right, so all the Christian activity, whether I don't know what it was in Provence in terms of the wafer or and lighting candles and whatever it was they were doing as part of the the church ceremonies. Miri would have seen those activities as but it's right. I, I think this the, the argument I make, which is you know, you can say not a variety, is that if you'd asked Demiri, is it your Yalbert to convert to Christianity? It's you know, I, I don't I can't imagine he would have said, no, it's Mutter, it's not a Buddha Zara. What because because it, it, it because nobody nobody in Christian Europe ever suggested, right? What what kind of right to say in the in the face of all the murders? By the way, that was right, and a, a particularly right, right. Oh, by the way, that was just you know supererogatory or maybe usher. Everybody, everybody knew that it was a, that it was that it was Yehudah Goliavur to convert to Christianity. Miriam's never cholik on that. Although, uh, right? so I, although that, as Jacob Katz points out, might have been the next logical step to go to. And as the the section I just quoted to you, uh, a verbatim from uh, Avodah Zarah says, now that you're Nichnas Bedos Acheres, you're not from the Maridim. 
So I, I agree, but it doesn't mean it was Yerik Valiavur. I don't think ever. So there you don't you have a steerer right there? Don't you have no? Why? Why? Just because Yerik Valiavur doesn't mean I can kill. Lots of people violate things that are Yerik Valiavur. If you commit adultery, I can't throw you into a pit. Okay, so right, so, so you'll die for it, but you aren't necessarily going to be sanctioned by the community as a person who carries the death sentence upon you consistently because of it. Lots of people carry death sentences on that you can't push, right? If somebody's right, if somebody somebody committed murder, but they weren't convicted by a bedroom with two aided right, that's row, right? You can't push them into pits, right? That, I don't see the connection between the issues. Um, again, if it's is it a steer to Avas Hashem, the, the Makar of Priyar Valyavur is the Pasik of Avas Hashem Malikha. And is this Hashem Malikha? Right? So if I decide to become a Christian, have I yeah. have I violated Avas Hashem? Isn't it the same yes. God, basically? It's not no. the same God? I don't say, if saying God are not the same God, I violated what God demanded of me. And, and since you know, God, God demands it. But, but all I've done is, all I've tried to do, Rabbi Clapper, is say that, okay, yeah. I've decided, I, 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 instead of Mendelssohn um, giving in to, uh, arguing with Lavender, Mendelssohn basically agrees. Yeah, you're right. It's now the 18th century and everything is all um, uh, enlightened and the differences are so... In, you know, inconsequential between us. I'm joining uh, humanities, uh, humanistic, I don't know if it was deistic, but basically let's give it under the Christian umbrella, which is what Lavater asked for Mendelssohn, right? Which is why he, he wrote Jerusalem was, hey, in, in this period, and we're letting you do it, come join us and be part of the world. Now, I think the same way, I think the same way to be really thought that, you know, this I was correct about that none of the social things are relaxed because you have, right? Because there's there's a thing about being a Jew that matters. So this is one of the things right, about being a Jew that matters. It doesn't mean you're going to be a terrible person. You're going to be a terrible Jew, and it's your way over. Do things that are right. Do things that make you a terrible Jew if you're a Jew. If you do, but oh, but you only give up your life in certain situations. It has to be shots Ashmad, or it has to be Farasi, or the big three. How avoid is how saying I hereby accept Jesus as 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 my God according to you. Uh, right. So, uh, if you did, so it's an interesting question, Miri, If you could just say the words, like the you know, like the Rambam and the, the Almohads, right? If you could just say the words, but nobody would ever make you do anything. I don't know what the Miri would have to say, Halacha, but that wasn't the reality. Right? The reality is that you right that you were then held accountable for right for attending worship for about right. They would test you: Are you bowing down to a crucifix or not? Right? If right, so that it wasn't the Lamaisa joining the Christian community meant doing things around the outward. So, so, so you're submitting to death because of what your future life is going to be, not because of this moment of acceptance. I think it's interesting, uh, interesting, Shiloh. I think a deeper question, which you know, you should, which I, I'm surprised you didn't ask, was I don't understand how Miri said this when you look at what actually happened in Provence. And he, right? Miri says that the Gedurim Drecha das, so they're not murderers, right? I did, this, I, I did say it. I did tell that to Beth Hopper if you listen to the show. And I know you didn't listen so super carefully. I said what was going on around him, and Katz points it out too. They were, this was no like, fun time. This they have the Gen to Crusade. That's right. They're just murdering each other. That's left right. And right. That's right. So that. Right. So that, don't you think that gives some credence to what I was saying, that either that he couldn't have meant it 100% about what he was seeing in front of himself? So that I think is, I think that's a much deeper, <laughs> but, you know, but I think that this, it's too consistent. He says it way too consistently in too many places and about all sorts of things, right? They're not all apologetics. No one thinks, right, you know, Ray Murray Blake doesn't think even later that they're all apologetics. Um, and, you know, so I think in the same way you look at it, say, like the did, did Rabbi Yochan really believe that there were no sincere non-Jews? That he said, "Oh, David Azara, there were no sincere idolaters outside Eretz Yisrael." Right? All right? Everyone? Right? Did he really believe that? Right? When Rashi said it's all minute, right? That Rashi held that lahalacha, right? That they're they're all minute go saying be so none of them are ever gonna none, none of them are ever are ever, ever actually going to go thank their gods if you engage in commerce with them. Right? That means it's right. So those are, these are questions that anytime people make broad statements. Um, right about non-Jews. Okay, so so here you 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 understand that the statements you just mentioned for those listeners who aren't as savvy as you are, uh, those were statements that were made as Jacob Katz. Again, I love quoting him, even though I misquoted him uh, egregiously, but he is someone that I love and it came across as well. That they were trying to justify behaviors that had already entrenched themselves. The behaviors of basically doing business and pretty much saying. Uh, putting uh, their fingers in their ears and not listening to what the Masechtas had been said, right? They were basically doing business with non-Jews on their holidays, getting involved with them, lending money to them. All, the whole series of behaviors that, that that were involved in, 
And I think, don't you believe that it's right that what the Rishonim, like Rashi and others, were doing and his grandsons were doing, were offering justifications in Yisrael, Einam Nevi'im, B'nei Nevi'im. And those were the justifications. Whether that is considered Ziyaf HaTorah or not, like Bechafer accuses me, you know, I think naively, uh, that I'm that I'm, I'm calling all, I'm painting them all with this terrible brush. That was the Metzias. And, and the Meiri, as, as Jacob Katz said, came up with a much clearer way of being, of, 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 of explaining all those behaviors that were going on. That was all, so, right? Go ahead. Listen, I'm not going to talk about Zia Fatura, which you know, I always, I'm always, I always like showing you know, people in Yeshiva the, the quote of the, the quote of the, uh, of you know, various apologetics, including Meiri, that would be included on the front page of the Marshall. Right. <laughs> so, wait, well, obviously the authors didn't write, the authors, you know, the people who brought that in were just putting it for the censors. That's not my issue. Uh, I do think, you know, that the point that Dr. Salvation makes frequently is that, you know, if you believe, you know, hello, what your motivation for saying it is not right, but if you don't believe it, you can't say it, la-la-ha. So I think that you could, you could look at the mirror and say, look, there are people doing all these things. The rationales that we have given for doing these things don't work. They're not true. So because of right, so this must be right. The, the best explanation for what they're doing must be true. That's one way of looking at it. But I think that there's a, um, I think there's a different way of looking at it, right? This this is a more you know more risky way, perhaps, of looking at it. Uh, and this you can see to some extent, Rabbi Phil Weinberg, right? We talked about the the letters that he wrote uh, to, to Dr. Atlas about this. Is that maybe the Miri thought that this was the right thing to do? And he believed that Torah was supposed to tell you the right thing to do. And so if you had a, um, if you had, right. And so he was looking for this rationale because for whatever reason, we don't, I don't know anything about Amiri's history. I don't know if he had any relationships with non-Jews, you know, did, you know was, was, was his parents' lives saved, you know, parents' lives saved during a crusade by, right, by, by, really, by, really, by a really sweet family. And so he grew up with this incredible, right, incredible feeling was Colin Powell, right, you know, Turning off the lights, at, right? Turning on the lights at the house and Shabbos, whoever it is, somewhere in his life, it seems to me. Like for me, I say Frank. You know, the reason, if I say biographically, I grew up reading. My mother had a PhD, Shalom had a PhD in English, English literature, and I grew up reading all the stuff on my mother's shelf. And I would go to yeshiva, and people would say things about you know what what non-Jews are interested in, what their souls are like, and I would say, but you know, look, I read, you know, I I read. I read all these. I met all. I met all the Nishamas, right through their books. It's just not true. Can't be true. Can't be right. Um, can't be right. So I would, be, you know, maybe I'm projecting, but it seems to be much more likely that for whatever reason, not because of some great historical thing, but because of some personal interactions, at some point the Miriam became convinced that the way in which other people understood halacha said you were supposed to treat the non-Jews of his time was wrong. Okay, so this really, again, I, I, I would ask you once again to, I don't know if you have a copy, check out, I mean, Katz basically, you know, says something very similar to this Rabbi Clapper, and he talks about the Miri's philosophical um, groundings and things that he writes. Again, brilliantly, Katz found, I don't, I don't even know if you mentioned that in your article, the pieces in Pirkei Ovos, in, in the parish of Ovos. Maybe you do mention it, but I didn't, I didn't check your complete list. But he has a number, he shows a number of places in his parish in Perkeovos, and I think in, in a couple of places in the Shibra Chuva, which if you remember in the recording, I praised as a, a very good work, very Geshmaka work to read. But in those places, he talks about um, uh, the what it means to be a society, what it means to be a, a, a dus, and what, mm-hmm. what, what, where humanity goes. And, and Katz builds on this, and he says he believes that there was a, um, a partnership that the Miri had with a group of um, masculine, so to speak, of Christians that they would probably, that they engage together in conversation. And whether it was, uh, so the Miri as a mature person, or would you say maybe even incidents that happened when he was a young person, clearly had a very positive, at least in some way, uh, connection to actual Christians and probably engaged with them and spoke with them and uh, involved himself even in Vikuchim, sort of like me and you were having here. A very friendly vikuach, uh, where we toss it around. Could be, or it could just be his books. It could, it could just be that he read that he read books, and you know that you know that he uh, you know that, that he found he found a book and it just like you know just things just didn't. Um, it matters to me. We talk, you know, it matters to me. You know, if he were, I think the reason that we I th- we talked about right that 
that the um, you know if he really made up let's say you know a group called the called the Nostrim you know in uh, in in uh, you know that Chazal were talking about as opposed to Christians, yeah, that would be bad faith. Yeah, you know, so that's why I was very happy when um, my I friend Yaakov Yaakov Nagan showed me the you know first told me about the article that that is often published that the really you know that it's not it's not made up. It might be less much less likely. I think it's fair to say much less likely that the Nostrim referred to in uh, in Chazal. Pasuk and Yermia, on, on, on. in other words, yeah. Oh, that, that okay. That I, I can't. I have to say that Clay is the Pasuk and Yermia. That's uh, that 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 one goes. That's that's rich too far for me. But Clay is the That's his daughter. I could sort of, I could, I could, um, I could deal with that once I know there's a group like that. But I think, I think you know. First question is, what is he doing? Right. So what he's doing, I think, Miri is. I think Miri is systematically um, taking things that are already exist in Halakha in Tosfot. And what he's doing is saying, look, there are all these things, if you systematize them, right? It's true that most of the other Rishonim said them only when right, only when they were confronted by a specific need. What he said is, look, either you believe them or you don't. I believe them. If you believe them, then you have to apply them everywhere. You know, everyone has these things, right? You know, believe, you know everyone believes Lashon Hara is Usher, except about the other guy, right? But what, then every once in a while, some naive person gets up and says, no, Lashon Hara is really Usher. You can't say you can't say Lashonara just because you don't like people. You can't right, you can't call them all medium and right and say you know, no, if you really believe this, right? So I that my vision of the Miri is much more that. That um that he right, he was he was uh, you know profoundly uh first profound integrity that way. I'm hypothesizing. And he said these things that re- he believed that it, it should be true. Now don't don't you think that when he and those statements, and again, I, I hate harping on it, when he penned those statements on Dav Zion, that, and, and when he said, again, I'll ask you, there was no dosis, that there was no dust at all, that they, that they, were, that they had no dust, the dust was an invention of, of, of the Middle Ages, you think that he forced, I mean, Kat says he sort of forced himself to believe it, even though he knew intellectually it was a difficult thing to shoehorn in. I mean, See, you know, I don't know, you know, think, beliefs about the past, and we'll talk about why I don't think Miri is the right basis for us, right? You know, I think that, that many, many cultures, however you identify your culture, have believed that everyone outside their culture was barbarian, um, right? This is a very common thing. Greeks, right? Greeks, Chinese, Americans, right? Believe right, everyone else is a barbarian. So the notion that somebody would have, you know, why would anybody have any difficulty believing that the world, that the world of idolaters were all barbarians, barbarians, and that Judaism came along and it has to, right? You can find lots of people believing that now on the American rights. That, right, the, you know, the civilizing influence of Judeo-Christian, of Judeo-Christian society. So why the Miri living in an age with much, you know, much less uh, pretense uh, to, right, to authoritative history. And he could have just convinced himself, he could have read, you know, he could have read Herodotus, whatever it is, you know, and, uh, right, and, you know, and convinced himself that the Roman Empire was, you know, was was a horrible place. He could have read read what Chazal said about the cultures around them, right? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why that's that's not. I think it's much harder to explain why the Miri thought the cultures around him were civilized than to right than to explain why he thought the cultures of the past. I, I think both of the statements, I think, are points from my side. I'm not taking sides, but both of the points relend itself to to. And, and again, to an assumption that there's something going on here, and and, and it, it doesn't in any way, shape, or form stop Rav Aaron Salvechik, Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, Rav Cook, Rav David C. Hoffman, Rav Herzog, or anyone, or, or the Tzitz Eliezer, reformulating it for our time. I think it's quite valid whether the Miri said it or not, and, and that's your next point, right? We don't really, I mean, we're sort of digging up the bones of the Miri when we don't need it, Right. We don't really need the bones of the Miri for for. Well, the Miri is problematic for us, right? For a couple of reasons, right? One is that um, Miri doesn't believe it about Hindus, right? right? Who, who doesn't? The Miri. The Miri, and the Miri is a good you know, is a good um, American founder. He doesn't believe morality is possible for atheists because there right? has rights. Right. You need to have some sense of a god controlling things. There has That's to right. be there has to be a Muna and Elohus in some way. Right. But know, I, with, with, right. And it has to be a unified Elohus, right? So we could talk about right. Alan Brill has all this material about what Hindus really believe and the difference between philosophic Hindus. But I think if you're if you're taking yourself mechanically and saying, 
oh, I'm just postulating like the Meiri, the Meiri is my precedence. Right? I think that you won't get where we need to get. And right, it, it, if you have a moral sense that this is actually the way we ought to be treating people. Uh, well, well, remember, the Meiri wasn't able to conceive was that you could actually be a moral atheist. In other words, Elokus lent itself a power that's creating and responsible for justice leads to measured controlled actions where you're submitting to uh, you know to some sort of power and you're going to change what you're going to be about. You're not some wild man. The idea that you could actually throw God out of the picture or have a multiplicity of gods and still be that way or have, right? That was something that Miri didn't conceive of, but that is obviously what you mean when you talk about Hindu and you talk about uh, people, Bismaneno. So as long as we take the last aspect of the Miri, which is Gdurim, Bidarke Adosos, and Nimusim, meaning that And then you're... just forget about the word dust. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, you know, right. You know, I, I don't. I think that, uh, especially when he talks about that, they punish you. Remember, the Miri writes that they're manisha malayim. Right. And we have all the right, and you know, and it, there are all issues now, right? You know, because right, the, you know, we don't know what the Miri would do, right? You have to say, you know, if you want to put him in Gertoshev, the Miri doesn't use the language Gertoshev interchangeably with Zerimitrachayadatot, and I think that a lot of work is necessary to understand what he means by the term Gertoshev, which he uses in not not interchangeably, but. You know, we yeah. don't live in a culture which even has any moral opprobrium about several things that are included in the Sheva Mitzvahs, uh, Sheva Mitzvahs Bein um, right? So there's, so I think that, um, I think that you can claim, like, I'm expanding on the idea of the Me'iri, and I think that's true in the way that, um, that right, in the way that I quoted, that, um, that the idea, but not in the sense that there, it, the idea that there's a space to, sh- there's a way to build a broad gap between theology and morality. Um, now, without being biased, by the way, I, mean, I might accept Rabbi Sachs's claim, right? I think lots of people's claim that uh, a moral society is always parasitic on a pa- on past theism, uh, right? But that we have more problems dealing with that in terms of you know classically, classically um, uh, polytheistic cultures that we right, that we now engage in respectful relationships with. But I, I'm not taking a position about whether some kind of some kind of fundamental underlying underlying monotheism is essential in the long run for morality, but in the in the short term, it doesn't seem to be uh, it doesn't seem to be essential for interpersonal uh, morality. So, yeah, so that's why I don't. Um, I think that the rather than staking ourselves on Erie, yeah, I think that what you're, what you're right is that what we really need is to say that we need to find a rationale that uh, that works halachically, that conforms to what we believe is an authentic Torah morality and. And there it's useful, right? It's useful to me that Rebaran Soloveitchik, my Rebbe, thought that it's obvious that the Miri was right about these things practically, right? And never quite worked out what he would do, I think, about of the Avodah who also, real of the Avodah so to speak, right? Who shared the same characteristics that led him to that moral, that, that led him to that moral instinct. But my preference is much more to say that the idea the Miri expresses, you know, that one that everyone gets is really powerful about is the idea of reciprocity. And that's one step. I think that many, I think we find many other Rishonim in various places recognize, I like to quote Meshach Chachma. Meshach Chachma says, Avram Vida says, as Meshach Chachma says that all, all political philosophy is rational and Avram Avinu can demand this because it makes because all political rights are universal, and therefore, obviously, whatever Avram Avinu can demand this of Bnei Chait, and whatever Avram can demand of Bnei Chait, Bnei Chait could demand of Avram, right? So Bnei Chait are of the and yet they have a right to Kvura. right? So I think that's one. I think the first step to make is to understand, right, that. That I think reciprocity is a fundamental principle, which I don't think we need the Miri for. The Miri formulates it very nicely over there, but I think you'll find many other Rishonim saying it, and I think that that's a that's an easy one, right? I think everyone understands that in a culture where non-Jews return your lost objects, you have right that it would right. be absurd. So right. So in other words, without necessary, which the Raivan was very very uh, wove he waved the flag of Kiddush Hashem often. Including in terms of Xavas Akum or Gnevas Akum or Shabbos Aveda, we could actually throw the Chil Hashem flag away and basically say, of course, we're going to be Meshiv 
Uh, right, not because you're going to get caught. Well, the Miri actually does say that's called Achicha. That's the one you heal. Right, right. The Miri says Achicha, right? We call them Achicha mitzvahs, right? Even right in that one. Right, Miri said something very radical there. Right. But I don't, right? I don't need the Miri's version of it. I think, right? I think it's just a. Yeah, you, see, it, you, you see it echoed in Shadal, since you mentioned the Meshul Chachma. I'm going to throw Shadal right. in. Shadal by, Shadal, Shadal by Ribis. Shadal by Ribis, when he talks yeah. about Lenochri Sashich. He says that the Nachri Sashik is because the Nachri was some fellow who wasn't part of our community, who was just passing through, who was basically preying on whatever he could get in Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, you don't need to give him this uh, incredible uh, interest-free loan. Interest-free loan. But if someone's part of your community, he's not a Nachri. And, and if they have an interest-free loan society that lends to you, Right, I think that's I think that's elementary, and it's reversible. That you like to quote um, the story of Shimon uh, Shetach or the Chi Barbarani, returning the lost object. Right, you know, Yom Shimon Shetach Barbarhava. Right, that's what, you know, it's explicitly not what it's about. It's not Kiddush Hashem, it's Yomru Barbarani. Right, and but they're not going to know over if he never returns. Just like you can't live that way. That's a. Then I think there's a much more radical notion, right? You know, to be of a, a bunch of people who tried to. Turn Darke Shalom into a substantive principle, right? And I think that argument, you know, Rechaim David Levy does that. Uh, Wurzberger did um, did that, right? That's a the real the real move, I think that that um, that I think is the the Chiddush Lalacha that I want. That I think it matters is turning Mishum Eva into a into a moral principle and not a prudential principle. Um Benjamin in his right, in, you know, there was an article in Haaretz, right, which is a fictional article, but you know, there was a lot of people published articles about um, non-Jew, somebody not saving a non-Jew on Shabbos, right, or right, right or Hs Cohen Shenenza, right, all people. Right. So in response to one of those, I think there was a journalist who liked publishing these articles right before elections, you know, make, making up some story about you know, from Jews behave according to halacha. Right? There's a history of this. Tikkun Magazine published a, a really great one uh, like 20 years ago about uh, about uh, Marita Vilamalin. Um, so suggests that here's my formulation, right? That Mishum Eva doesn't only mean don't do it because I'll hate you. It means that you should not behave, you cannot behave in a way that legitimately makes people hate you. Right. I, I've heard you say this before. Yeah. And I think it's profound. It, it's a, um, which, 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 which again, as you say, is a new, <laughs> it's definitely a new take on things. Uh, and and w- let's wrap it up here with this last point that you're talking about. Now, we know that uh, the Ramban and Sefer Mitzvahs, uh, there's two ways of reading that Ramban, but that's many where many people begin to see, and the Meiri that we mentioned before that Rabbi Bleich mentions in Yuma, we all know that, as Rav Moshe says, that nobody is going to not save a non-Jew. No Jewish doctor in today's world is going to say, I can't be Machal Shabbos, it's for a non-Jew, and I, I won't do it because of the repercussions. I think what you are arguing for is that we should stop with the excuses, and we should just say that we have a chiv to be matzil uh, uh, every nefesh, who it is. And are, are, are you ready to say, without the repercussions of Ava or whatever, or without your reinterpretation of Ava, that were mechuyiv based on, on to be docha Shabbos and other things based on, on what, right? <laughs> right. So you know, Shabbos, right? Shabbos for non Jews is, you know, is, is in some ways the the easiest issue because everyone knows almost everyone knows what the outcome. I should say that um, like what is, there was a yeshiva once. That uh, center that um, a Talmud of mine at Harvard came and said that his Rebbe had said, you know, in a, in a, I don't even want to talk about the reality, but it said in a real case that um, that he had bus- that he had acted the other way and not and saved, I, not saved a non-Jew. It well, it turned out not to affect it, but he had acted, and I banned that. You know, I refused to allow that yeshiva to recruit on campus. Everywhere I'd been, I refused to allow that yeshiva in until they told me they fired that Rebbe. Because I think the one thing is, it's, it's also Mishum Eva to say anything like that. <laughs> but I, but I wouldn't say like everyone, but almost everybody, sane moral, right? Which is a, a lot of people, sane and moral people, understand what the outcome is. And on the other hand, because it's Chilol Shabbos Deoraisa, it's a um, it's a very right, it's a very hard thing. I think what I would have to say is something like this, right? The famously, right, the right Abayah says, right, Abayah right, says, right, you know, you'll explain it to them, they'll understand, right? And, and Rav Cook has this, you know, this. Uh, Difficult to believe tshuva, which he, he, he which he seems to accept this is true. But what happens if they don't? 
right? So what I say, don't do it because, oh, they should and they'll kill you. The other is, they, should, they don't, it means that you're living in a culture where it's morally wrong because nobody understands, right? So that, that's what the move I'll have to make is to say that that's not just a practical statement. It's a statement about how the moral assumptions of the society you're in, um, right? Sometimes, right? Sometimes guide the way in which Torah is interpreted um, because that's what Kiddush and Chil Hashem mean. Um, right, in, in some ways, also what, what underlying moral principles mean. Now, what happens if you had a culture where non-Jews didn't save Jewish lives on uh, didn't save Jewish lives on Sunday? Right. Okay, so that's that's what Rav Moshe. You know, you're getting into the. There's no way we could uh, act this way because of the repercussions of what. It not would repercussions. Be. No, no. Because of the. It's not because of what practically will happen. Not the repercussions in terms of right. Right, it's because of the the moral repercussions. Because it's just right, you just can't behave that way, right? You can't right. It undermines everything you want to say about yourself, and undermines everything you want to be yourself. Right? I think it's a very different quest to claim that it's because because you might live in a in a malchus shilchesed, where you know what, they'll just resolve it by by saying, well, you know what, anti-discrimination laws apply to you, even though you don't, even though you discriminate against others, uh, right? And I'm sorry, right? You know, okay, see, so right? But that's not why, right? It's just wrong. Uh, like Ramush, right? Ramush has this fascinating thing about where basically says that's what doctors did, right? The doctors understood that you couldn't be a doctor. Right. This is Rav Moshe's tying on the Mishnah Bura. Remember, Rav Moshe criticizes the Mishnah Bura for his hesitancy uh, of, of doctors being Machal Shabbos for non-Jews. And he says, of course they could. They had to go and do this, what they always did. Um, right. And Rav Moshe Weiss, I think here, right, has, a, you know, is very powerful where he basically says that there's a practical and moral imperative for there to be Jewish doctors and these, right? And you can't imagine, right, that the, the ethics of the, the ethics of the profession, right, you know, have, right, have real impact there. Not the ethics of the profession have a profound impact the way Halakha understands it. I understand it takes work to get that. Phil Shabbos, so how do you get there, right? We still try to avoid it. But I think that's in the end, that's in the end where you, um, where you have to end up. Uh, happily, that's like you know, it's an extreme case, and it's you know, it's, and it's, it's both easy and hard. It's easy because everyone knows what everyone knows that whatever answer you reach is you know that the end outcome is going to be mutter. And right on the other hand, it's the hardest thing. To, it's the hardest thing to do um, tactically. But I think that's better than you know. Bring it back. I think that's better than um, than the miri. The miri is just, I think, mostly useful to show you that yeah, you know what? Sometimes people have this moral insight, and they're right, and they're unimpeachable. And it's looking to say, look, that's not what Torah can mean. Torah can't mean that. And you know, it's not like it's not it's not a yachid. It's people who become part of the Masoret. People quote for years their statements on this, right? That, that you know, I think that we talk, right. I think there are people who may not be the let's, right, may not be the greatest post of all time, but you know, they, they, there's the one thing they know. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, right. Because foxes and postkim were foxes and postkim were hedgehogs. Right. So, right. So, there are lots of right. There are lots of postkim in you know, the history of it. They just have the one shita, but that one shita, right, is yeah. the right thing. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, again, I, I love the fact that we're trying to put a, a punctuation mark here. I would just put a big parenthesis here. I, I would actually encourage people, and, and I think there's still a desiratum to do, is to actually try to. Um, pierce through the Miri's edifice and find his original thinking where he's not just quoting others. And where is it that he's shown? That would be a great, I would love to read such a work. Um, I actually would hope that we should just, look, it's, it's so old. It was old when Jacob Katz got to it. It got much older, has a long white beard already. So that I that I, I'm forgetting all the details. I, I I would like I said on the on the podcast, I would be happy if the Mogenovos would be studied more, the Hebrew Shuva studied more. And 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 maybe we could even I'm the first one to admit here's where the Miri isn't just a great organizer. Here's where you see his brains, here's where you see his analysis, here's where you see his rejection. That would be a wonderful thing to, to, to be involved in. And I think that would, if this discussion we're having will get people to stop just using, as Chaim Salvechik talked about, using the Miri as a crutch, which is what he said. It became so popular in the 20th century because of, 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 of Steinsaltz, the art scroll, and everything else is that we're, we're looking for crutches. And when the crutch has the pedigree of a Rishon, <laughs> it's even a better crutch. But I, I, would, call, I would love for, for that to be uh, to, to be the case, and 
And as I said to you before in a conversation, if someone in that Vatican or wherever they're discovering these manuscripts in, in St. Petersburg, if they can find more chidushe amiri, I think that uh, we'd have a much uh, more rounded picture. Uh, well, I, want to, I want to agree with you and add one thing. One thing I, agree with you, I want to thank you. I went through a lot of Magadavos last night in preparation for this because you said, and the I think it's really, really impressive. Like the Bikias is the, the the facile Bikias. Yes, is, is one uh, right in not just Bavli but Yerushalmi, um, right? Is yeah. it, and he's taking really, on he's taking on the Ramban. He's taking on he's taking. You can see his muscles there. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree with you that that's a. I think a reception history, you know, formal reception history, you know, what we used to call a, a Tversky doctorate, is a uh, right is a uh, is a major desideratum. I just put in one fun thing though, right? Is that the the big you know, the, the saving right saving saving on Shabbos, right? Which is the you know the interesting thing about that is that actually exists in two Gersos, even though both printed manuscripts claim to be copying printed editions claim to be copying the same manuscript. And the manuscript was was apparently lost in a bombing in World War One. So that's that's an amazing mystery to me. Like you know, like that's the biggest one. It exists. Right, both editions claim to publishing the same manuscript, and they publish it radically differently. That's an amazing thing to me. Um, so that would also, you know, somebody can solve that to me. That would um, that would be a. Who knows what we can uncover? Well, I want to thank you again, Rabbi Clapper. I know your time is extremely limited, and. Um, those of you that are listening here, remember, you can find Rabbi Clapper on our new uh, podcast site. Just uh, search for Rabbi Arya Clapper, and you're going to find a great number of, uh, of his episodes, plus his own website, uh, where you can just, I'm from Anchor, right? It's still on Anchor, correct? My podcast on Anchor, and also TorahLeadership.org has lots and lots of stuff. And There's I also a Facebook page. You can follow all of it. I think you will find him as, uh, as wonderfully uh, um, uh, straightforward and without uh, any, any encrusted sort of um, uh, attitudes, the same sort of way that we spoke here together. Uh, I'm going to, uh, now that you, now that you joined the Rizcha team, uh, hopefully next time we'll put you into the boiling waters <laughs> together <laughs> with the Rav Yosef Gavriel himself. That's, yeah. Like, How about that and Pacha? <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you. See you this might say Shabbos, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.